we can jump in this morning. I tell you, we're, we're in this uh, seven, eight, ten wins for men. And as, as we go through it this morning, I just want you to know this is probably going to be the toughest one that I teach. And so y'all will have to bear with me. I'm going to make it through this but, uh, and, and try to do it in a timely manner. But today is going to be very important because one of the things that we've got to win is this thing of forgiveness. Now, I don't know if you've ever been abused. Maybe you grew up in an abusive home, an abusive family, something like that. And maybe in your life today, you tend to, to live a victimized life for whatever reason because life is not fair, life is not equal. Life uh, comes at all of us in a different way, but it comes at all of us always. And because of that, uh, there are going to be times where you're going to be violated. And through those violations, whether they're true, whether they're false, whether, whether or not there's any credence with them, one of the things we do know that forgiveness is going to be mandated for us to move forward. Now, when we talk about forgiveness this morning, just so you know, I'm not going to talk about it in terms maybe as you heard of it we tend to say give and it will be given to you pressed down shaken together i know jesus said that but he's not talking about forgiveness so we tend to hold forgiveness like we hold everything else in the scriptures that it's this total complete forgive is to what forget and that's what we've been taught and that's not necessarily true you can't take a woman that's been raped and say hey you need to forgive and forget that does not work and so as we jump in today there you're going to see that life is not equal but forgiveness is going to be huge for us as men of God to move forward. And there are ways to forgive that God has given us. This is something we unpacked probably four or five years ago. actually met with some uh, therapists out of Fuller Seminary and sat down with them. They came in and did a conference, and then we kind of developed, myself, Paul, several of us got together and started developing. How can we move this forward? How can we teach this forgiveness? Because forgiveness is something in order for us to move ahead and not be victim. You know, we live in a victimized culture of victimized society everybody's trying to play the victim so because playing the victim today tends to tends to get the attention and once you get the attention you might get the money from it all right that's unfortunate but that's what we tend to reward but we are victors in christ we're not victims in christ and so today in order for us to move forward we've got to talk about this thing it's got to be a must win i believe for men i went and just outlined some of these and put on there for myself these were must wins and are still today must wins for me in my own life so forgiveness is huge I've never been violated to the extent that I couldn't forgive but many of you have um, many women have through rape molestation murder slander adultery affairs the list goes on and on and yet the scripture states forgive us our trespasses as we what forgive those who trespass against us so here's the thing if i've been violated to this extent how can i let it go if if i were abused growing up if i had an abusive father or a mother who left something like that how can i forgive that person what does that look like matthew 6 14 jesus speaks on this if you forgive those who sin against you your heavenly father will forgive you but if you refuse to forgive others your father will not forgive your sins that's a pretty heavy mandate right so forgiveness is huge it's huge so here's the thing it can create this scripture creates a lot of tension inside of me it probably creates a lot of tension inside of you unforgiveness is like a debt or debtor relationship forgive forgiveness allows you to cancel the debt that's what it allows you to do every christian wants to follow jesus's command to forgive but many of us have given up because we just can't see how this could ever happen in my life 
And here's the reason why. Reconciliation can't happen because I cannot forget what they did. I cannot forget the perpetrator in the instance. But forgiveness is not, should not be associated with forgetfulness. See, I'm going to talk about a whole new work of forgiveness this morning. Basically, the works of forgiveness. And there's two columns here. And I'm going to hand you some more paperwork here in just a minute. Not much, but just something you can take and look at and, and think about. But first of all, over here in this column, you've got the salvage. And over here, you've got restoration. Now, in the salvage part, here's what we say. You just salvage what you can in forgiveness. All right? Restoration over here means that you can restore the relationship. Over here, you're just going to salvage what you can. So here's the thing. The work of forgiveness is much broader sometimes than our own perspective or our own perception of the scriptures. Now in saying that, <laughs> the Lord can forget your sins, right? He can not only forgive your sins, but, but he can no longer remember them as far as the east is from the west. But you are not God. I, I'm sorry to wake you up to that. I didn't mean to burst your bubble this morning, guys. But, but this is the thing. God can do that. We can't. We're mere vessels, and because of that, we're going to have to look at maybe compartmentalizing how we forgive and what this looks like, even with Scripture. Because here's, here's what's at stake if we don't win here. Your quality of life, your quality of health, your quality of relationships, your sense of joy and peace, uh, living a life of bitterness and torment, all those things are at risk, men, if we don't win here. Forgiveness isn't so much about letting go as it is about redemption. All forgiveness is redemptive. All forgiveness, whether it falls in the salvage category or it falls in this restorative category. Now, when I talk about salvage, I'll unpack that for just a moment. Salvage means this. Salvage is for me. It's not as much for them. You know, it's interesting to me because uh, even in my own life, I, I, uh, I mean, there's been areas of forgiveness that I've had to work through but uh, even in ministry you're sometimes falsely accused sometimes uh, they, they create a monster uh, about you or your persona or what you're trying to do for the kingdom of God that type of thing and, and I say they it, it, can, it can even be co-workers it can be just whatever it's any, anywhere you are there's always the opportunity for flesh to show up and when flesh shows up and it's it's stronger than the spirit because that's what they choose to to walk in the flesh instead of the spirit then we're all at risk right and we all have to come to a place of forgiveness i was talking to a mentor of mine here a while back and i said you know i just want to get to a place of forgiveness i've got two areas in my life that i want forgiveness to take place and he said well curtis um here's the key to that you need to know you can do what you can do but whether or not they accept it and what they do with it and choose to do with it. Now, it's not my wife, guys, okay? I'm just, that's as personal as I'm getting, all right, with you. But he, he, he just said, you know, and then what they choose to do is, is what they choose to do. And that's kind of bringing it over here to the salvage part instead of the restorative part. I like to be restored. I like to be, uh, see things redeem, redeemed and be on the redemptive side of the cross for sure but sometimes it's simply salvage salvage in that column it stands for me it's what i can do for me does not require me to go back into the relationship you see it's kind of like uh years ago they found the titanic 
Y'all remember that? I love sharing the story about the Titanic um, because what they found out about the Titanic is uh, this huge iceberg that it supposedly collided with. Uh, that wasn't the case at all. After they discovered the Titanic, they found out it had seven slits uh, in its side, very strategically, almost like someone put them there. And these seven slits were in the, in the uh, air chambers, and it just caused the ship to sink. It just happened to be where those slits were that it sunk the Titanic. It's, it's amazing to me. But one of the things about the Titanic, it will never be restored. But there are some relics. There are some things that they are pulling up from the Titanic, right, and trying to pull the Titanic up itself. It will never be restored, but there are some things that will be salvaged. They will be salvaged. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that God causes all things to work together for, the, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That simply says that there are bad things that are going to happen, and God can turn those bad things around to where it works for the good of those who love him. Now, on the other side of things, let's talk about the restorative part of things, the restoration side of things real quickly. On the restoration uh, side of things, it's more for us. It's not just for me, it's for us. There's a relationship that possibly can be restored. It's about reforming love and trust between two people. It's like taking, my brother had a 1965 Mustang when I was growing up. And uh, uh, it was baby blue. It was a cool car. And, and my brother's 10 years older than me. And, and uh, so I was a kid. And, and Tulia back then had a, uh, uh, what, a drive-in movie theater. And so one Friday night, Kelly said, hey, uh, I'm going to take you, you know, after school today, and we'll go see For the Love of Benji. Any of y'all ever heard of Benji? <laughs> no, just those of you who are over 40. Anyway, so uh, we were going to go see uh, For the Love of Benji, and I was so excited. I remember being at school and coming home that night, and, and we took off, and uh, <laughs> it was kind of a crazy night. We, we go to, to watch the movie, and you had these speakers that you hung on your window, and he forgot to take the speaker off when he backed out. And so instead of breaking the window, I guess they really made those Mustangs really good back then. It just pulled the cords and everything out with us. We just stuck it in the back seat, took it with us. And we were just having the best night laughing. And there was a street in Tulia known as Dip Street. And everybody would go up and down the drag at Dip Street. And you turn around the monument. Well, he floored that Mustang, spun around that monument, and ran right into uh, Herden Jones, which is a store there on the corner, had a had a great big curb, and he just, I don't know what he did, honestly, I, but some way Kelly hit that, and it threw me into the dash and bloodied me up a little bit, but it, it really wrecked his 65 Mustang, and he was sick over there. He wasn't too worried about me. You know, I couldn't even breathe, but he's like, oh, no, my car, but anyway, here's the truth. It wasn't damaged to a place where it couldn't be restored. It was, it was completely restored before it was over with Matthew five twenty three. therefore if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you leave your offering there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering here Jesus is saying there is a chance for complete and total restoration now this is this is interesting he doesn't say if you have something against your brother what does he say if, if your brother has something against you, that just makes it harder. I'd rather me have something against the brother and go confront him about it. But he says, no, if your brother has something against you, then, then go see what it is. 
what he's doing is saying, hey, where does the problem lie? Does it lie with you? Possibly it does. Sometimes, even if, if you feel like you've, you've been offended in, in a justified way, sometimes uh, we go and we ask that, brother, what is it that you have with me? Have I trespassed against you? What's going on here, right? What Jesus is doing is he's looking for a place because he says brothers. And brothers means that we brothers shouldn't have anything against one another. We should not be the perpetrators in any way. And if, and if that's the case, go find out why, right? So here's the thing. That, that offers a place for restoration. So we have salvage and we have the restorative work over here where we can restore a, a relationship. Now, in, the same, in saying this, under these two major aspects, I'm going to break it down two more times. Now, like I said, this is a little bit complicated, but it'll all unfold here in just a minute. There are four standalone stations. You cannot tie these together. These are standalone stations of forgiveness. So, one of these four venues will allow you to forgive and experience redemption. Here we go. Under the salvage side, there's two more that fall under that. Insight and understanding. I'm going to give this to you here in just, just a minute, and it'll make more sense to you. So, uh, in the flow chart, we have salvage under that. Over here, we have insight. The next one is understanding. Remember, these are standalone. You have to remember that because you'll try to bleed them over one into another. Over here, under the restorative side of things, or restoration, we have giving opportunity for compensation. Now, that's long. You don't have to worry about that right now, right now as far as writing it down because you're going to have this. But maybe you should say it this way, um, just compensation. We're going to give the opportunity for compensation. And then on over here, that's still under that same category of restorative acts, overt forgiveness. And that's where forgiveness, restoration, everything happens. Now that's it. So basically there are four. Insight, then understanding, giving opportunity for compensation, and overt forgiveness. Now, these aren't stages. They're not steps, they're not phases. Like I said, these are standalone stations. You'll see why here in just a moment. So, let's look at this. Insight. Insight. Picking apart the situation so I can understand it better. So, the insight box, if you will, is going to be a place where we just kind of pick apart the situation. I, I need to understand possibly what was coming against me at that time at that period or that moment of my life Matthew 22 the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus they tried to trap him Jesus used insight to confront them and then he walked away he forgave them but no restoration took place if you know the story I'm sorry guys I got to move kind of quickly here uh, I've got like seven pages of notes don't let that scare you just get another cup of coffee all right but here's the deal Jesus basically confronted the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they were, they were wanting to trap him with his words, and he just simply answered the way he needed to answer. He walked away, and that's what I want you to hear, and he forgave them, but no restoration took place. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were still the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You remember there were several, a couple times in Scripture where Jesus had to slip away because it was not his time. And he was slipping away oftentimes from the Pharisees and Sadducees that were trying to trap him and uh, hold him accountable possibly for starting something new. So here's the truth about insight. Insight allows the victim to see what is being done to him 
and, and what is wrong with that. Inside empowers the victim to do something different so that they are safe. Insight allows the victim to realize that they have the power to stop the violation, however you're being violated. So if you gain insight and you're in this insight box, it just means that, hey, I, I say this a lot. The first step to, step to responsibility is what? Close. Yeah, I knew Brett would get it because he hears me say this all the time. The first step to responsibility is awareness. Look, if we're aware of a stain in the carpet, then we now can take responsibility for the stain. Does that make sense? If we're aware of the roach that's in the women's bathroom that's been crushed and there's legs everywhere, we can now take responsibility for the roach. And, and so our staff here, they, they hear me say a lot, a lot, look, awareness is the first step to responsibility. That's having insight on what's taking place. Now we can stop the abuse. There's a, a story, and this is, this is really uh, the therapist that came and taught they, they actually uh, shared this story, a personal story about themselves. But anyway, uh, this particular woman, her, her father abused her sexually as a child. And he would, as an adult, still kiss her on the neck. And she always felt obligated because it was her father to come by, to bring the kids by and see her and everything. And, and as a child, she knew that it was wrong. As an adult, she knew that it was wrong. And, and she said the hair would just stand on her neck, and she was so nervous about this. She uh, carried the pain years later, sought out counsel, but eventually she received the insight, this is wrong. And she said, I'm more valuable than this. I'm empowered to stop the violation. She found courage one day to, to have her dad get in the car. He came over. He was a mechanic. And she said, something's wrong with the car. And, and they got in the car together, and uh, it went on, and she turned to him when she had him in this isolated car and she said look what you did to me as a child was wrong and if you don't stop treating me this way I'm going to tell mom and she said I was an adult and threatened my dad to tell my mom but here's the thing he stopped and she said I went free the violation stopped she was able to forgive in that place of insight but no restoration took place she simply salvaged herself. She didn't salvage the relationship. She salvaged herself. Now, here's the understanding in that. It alleviates the pain. Understanding is when I make a compassionate response to the person who did me wrong. This is why we teach our children, you know, look, if anyone touches you, if anyone uses this type of language, uh, it was very difficult. We served the homeless Sunday afternoon, and I had my three girls, and I said, y'all stay within eyesight of me. And I want, I want you to stay within earshot of me as well. If you say, Dad, I'm coming. But I want you to serve and serve these people. Well, uh, I had the smallest one and the second to the smallest one. I had both Emma and Hadley next to me. And, and they were serving ice. And a couple who had had too much to drink, way too much to drink, were staggering around and using the F-bomb. And so I had to come to a place of saying, do I go ahead and tell them that that you're not going to say that around my daughters or do I remove my daughters from the situation? But the good thing about the whole, whole situation is my daughters both looked at me to see what I was going to do because they knew what? It was wrong. They had insight. That's why we teach our children, look, tell on these people. 
stop the violation, right? The woman caught in adultery. This is, this is Jesus, right? Jesus saw her as a person, not as a sinner. Jesus used understanding, and then he walked away. Right? He, she was caught in adultery. They were going to stone her. You remember the story, but Jesus, he basically says, go and sin no more. And walks away. That's it. He forgave her, but no restoration necessarily took place. Here's the truth about understanding. Understanding is when I make a compassionate response, like I said, to the person who did me wrong. You understand their story. You try to put yourself in their shoes. She later found out that her dad uh, was actually tied to the back of a pickup truck a handful of times and beaten with barbed wire by his dad. So there, there's a, a generational thing going on here. He was abused. Understanding bridges the gap of suspicion and speculation. Having understanding replaces hate and anger with compassion. Compassion brings us to a place of salvage. So, as we move on, salvage is about me. Restoration is about us. Now, if we look at the, the other box to this place of understanding, right? So here's, here's the deal. We, we move from insight. Now, we talked about insight. Insight is simply gaining an insight and awareness and doing something about it for you. As you move over to the, to the box of understanding, I kind of jumped ahead of myself here. It bridges the gap of suspicion and speculation. You tend to take it a little bit further to understand their story. Now, here's the thing. My girls did not have to, the other day, even attempt to understand these people's story. They just knew the language that they were using was what? Wrong. So they had insight. Now, if at some point in time one of them attempted to violate, they might try to, right, gain understanding. If, if you've been violated to a place but you're still compassionate towards someone, that's just gaining understanding, trying to see it and have compassion for just the human being. Not the act, but for the human being. You may not be able to move to that place. But if you can, that and like I said, one doesn't build on the other. You may be at a place where you say, well, they grew up and they were beaten and they had this. Then leave it right there. I'm still, that's the, the amount of my forgiveness. I can just understand. Over here, I can just have insight. I don't know what they did was wrong, period. I'm leaving it there. But I, I, I'm, I'm able to move on because it wasn't me, it was them. Over here to understanding, oh, they did it because of these reasons. This is how they were, they were brought up. So, as we move on, salvage, both of these fall under salvage, it's about me. When we move over to restoration, it's about us. Giving opportunity for compensation. So let's look at this. Giving opportunity for compensation. Now this is going to be restorative. Justice would simply be doing what's right. Based on the idea that people don't remain jerks their whole lives. Alright? Maybe even, maybe even a dad will grow up one day. And, and a lot of times where I see this take place is the alcoholic father. He had an alcoholic father. He had an alcoholic father. He had an alcoholic mother. It just goes on, and then you have an alcoholic father, and, and the child grows up 25 years old, and they're saying, you know, they never violated me in these ways. However, um, I have some unforgiveness because I missed my dad because he gave his, way, his life to alcohol instead of giving his life 
to me or even better giving his life to Jesus in that way so here's the thing giving opportunity for compensation it tends to stabilize justice oh his father was an alcoholic so it's really one step further I can be restored to him in some kind of way and a lot of times what happens to a man by the time they hit their 40s you know I know several that have quit drinking Several that have quit dipping, several that have quit smoking. Now, dipping doesn't necessarily take you from your children. I'm not an advocate of it. I was at one time, but not anymore, men. So, so here's the thing. What, what does that mean? It, it just simply means that it stabilizes justice. Luke 19, the story of Zacchaeus. So think about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus went and climbed up in a sycamore tree, and you know the story or you know the song. Here comes Jesus well, here's what Zacchaeus tells Jesus. He says, hey, uh, uh, Jesus says, I'm going to your house today. And Zacchaeus makes the confession. What? Anything that I've robbed, anything that I've taken, I'll give back four times as much. And so what you see is restoration happens. Uh, he gives opportunity for compensation. A uh, uh, great example, just continue with my example, this alcoholic that stepped away from it now. Who does he want to spend time with? Not just his kids, but he wants to restore grandkids, right? He, he, he would like to see and be there. So it gives opportunity. So this child that grew up says, okay, I believe my father might be safe now, today. And so it, it, it gives opportunity for compensation. You stabilize by taking steps to see if, I, if trust can be restored. And through compensation, you try to reform the future relationship. You're working towards making it right. In terms of relationship, God meant for there to be justice, for things to be right. The victim is not seeking vengeance. So this is a place where no longer are you looking for vengeance because vengeance belongs to who? It belongs to the Lord is what the Scripture says. Vengeance is mine, which makes it very difficult um, sometimes. So, I, uh, I had a fellow friend that was a pastor alongside of me for a while, and his dad left him when he was nine years old. His parents divorced. His, his dad just, just left the whole picture. And he left with no explanation. He reappeared 13 years later. But what happened to this man? He was very, very angry. I mean, he's an adult now. He's working in ministry but he had nothing to do with his dad, and his dad was wanting to restore the relationship. But the son had to tell him, look, you abandoned us. The mom was a single parent trying to make it. And, uh, and I, was, I remember when all this happened. I mean, th this guy and I, we worked together. Son was cautious, but he wanted to try. So he started with a phone call, then a little bit more, more frequently they began to speak. It, it, it eventually, I can, I can still remember the night that he and his father were going to meet face to face for the first time. Eventually, a number of years had gone by, and he allowed his kids to learn who his father was. And they wound up going on a father-son-grandson fishing trip. Trust has been rebuilt over time. He forgave, and the relationship was eventually restored. So that is basically compensation giving opportunity for compensation. If they respond in an appropriate manner, then the relationship can be restored. Make sense? Don't worry, because I'm going to throw a big kink in all of it when we're done. Finally, overt forgiveness. Now, overt forgiveness 
is where oftentimes we think we have to be because we feel like we have to forgive and forget. But that's not necessarily true, and that's not necessarily overt forgiveness. Basically, overt forgiveness, I'd say this, it's resolving justice. Both the victim and the victimizer go face-to-face and decide to live differently. Overt forgiveness allows the victim to release the past, completely release it, whatever it may be. So it's like the, the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. The father forgave the son, and, and he was what? Completely restored. Completely restored. Now here's the truth about overt forgiveness. First, three things have to happen in order for, for it to really take place. There has to be an agreement. It's kind of the ballpark agreement. We can sit by one another and watch a ball game, right? The two can agree on the offense or, or however, whatever the offense was, not offense, but whatever the offense was, but because of time, pain, and perspective, agreeing on the details isn't realistic. And so they just kind of have to leave it there. Acknowledgement, who is responsible? I would say this, awareness, who is responsible? I did this. I, it was wrong. This was a violation of love and trust. So, guys, where we see this a lot of times in ministry, men, is we see this place of overt forgiveness in marriages. Someone stepped out of the relationship and had an affair or whatever it may be, and then what happens? They come back and they say, what I did was completely wrong. Will you meet with me? Will you sit with me? Can we talk? Somewhere we drifted apart but but i made a huge mistake when i stepped out of our marriage covenant out of our marriage vows this is where i see it in ministry a lot of times so they have this first ballpark agreement second they have this acknowledgement this is what both of us did to some degree that was wrong we always say there's two ties two sides to every story uh for the most part unless there's a child involved but this is a, uh, I tend to look at this one. This is where I see it a lot of times in marriage. Who is responsible? I did this. It was wrong. This was a violation of love and trust. When the victimizer takes responsibility, then the victim is no longer, uh, he, he no longer has to hold them responsible because they're taking responsibility. Hey, what I did, I stepped out. I was wrong. This was wrong of me. I should have never got, and then there is that place for apology, and that's the, those are the three things for overt forgiveness to happen. Agreement acknowledgement and apology will you forgive me if i had a chance to do it differently then i would and sometimes an apology comes in the form of a promise you know i promise you this will never happen again i'm in this so it's a very practical way that forgiveness happens and i see that a lot in the church so with that forgiveness is the greatest gift you can give to yourself men and, and when, I, when I have these four categories, I want you to see them as, fa- as, as categories because I believe this is what God would have us do. Sometimes just gaining insight and awareness is enough. And you've just got to, I like to say it this way, if, if, if you got a dog or your neighbor's got a dog in the yard that bites, and every time you go through that yard, you have to guard your kneecaps, what do you do? You quit going through the yard. If that dog bites, don't go back in the yard. It's their dog. It's their problem. That's as far as you can take it. I'm not going to come back into that relationship. I'm not going to get bit again. So that's salvage. That's an insight. 
to gain understanding is the next is, is what I would say is sometimes you can go to that category I wouldn't say I don't want to say next steps I want to I want to keep this in categories sometimes just gaining an understanding in the situation and that's enough hey you know what they grew up in a terrible household but that doesn't I'm still not going back in the yard that's it I'm done giving opportunity for compensation that's in the restorative deal and then there's the overt forgiveness Guys, I think when we can do this, then we can learn to forgive and just leave it and move on. Let the past be the past. Work for a great future. That's where God wants us to be as men of God. Right? The work of forgiveness is huge. In the life of all believers in Christ, we are commanded to forgive. Really, I would say this, people who know they are loved by God and love themselves, they're able to forgive. Maybe not forget for sure. I don't believe that happens, but I think we can get to a place where we can say, you know what, I'm in one of these four categories, I'm going to leave it there, and I'm going to move on, right? I believe this new perspective has the potential really to set men free and cancel the debts. We should teach this more than what we do. I hadn't taught this in four years. I went back through my notes just looking. I, 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 I was thinking forgiveness was on one of my titles for this seven things and went back through and started looking at all this and remembering all the work that was put into this. To say, golly, people just need to be set free. And because when we harbor something, here's what happens. When you harbor something, you tend to take that into every relationship thereafter. And that is not healthy. And it's hard to be men of God who can love their wives as Christ loved the church when we have so much unforgiveness, pain, hurt, and disconnection in our own lives. Make sense? All right, so let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for these men. Father, uh, help us to be men of forgiveness. And that doesn't mean forgetfulness. Lord, I still have areas in my life that uh, I know I'm just gaining insight. And I'm just leaving them there. Uh, a couple of areas where I have some understanding. I know uh, history played a big part in the broken relationship. And then, Father, uh, I thank you for the times that um, our relationships can be completely restored. And we can take responsibility and we can move forward from there. Father, be with us as men after your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.